May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart always be acceptable in thy sight, my Lord, my Savior, and my Redeemer. Amen. So this is a sermonette. Um, it, is, it is your opportunity. Several years ago, there was a movie called Being John Malkovich, where people went into the brain of John Malkovich and saw everything that was going on in there. So this morning, you're getting Being Anthony Scro. You get a chance to see what's been in my brain without a lot of organization. Uh, normally, I take time during a sermon to, to get that all pulled together. I have been thinking since Mary gave the wonderful sermon about Mary, the mother of Christ, uh, on Christmas Eve, I've been thinking about the Holy Family. And for those of you who weren't here on Christmas Eve, Mary gave a wonderful sermon about being wowed by Mary, being wowed by what happened to that young woman, um, to her faith. And um, as a good Anglo-Catholic, I think about Mary all the time. She uh, is very much a part of my thought process and world. But this week, I've actually been focusing on another character, which God would have in this morning's reading, Joseph, the father of Christ, the, uh, the earthly father of Christ. And thinking a bit about him and, and how, what we think of him and how we think about him, um, there's some interesting things about Joseph. First of all, there's not a lot known about Joseph. Joseph only appears in Matthew and Luke. And so we don't have a good read on him. We know he was a carpenter. But beyond that, there's not a, a lot we know about it. We know that he had obviously had, from the readings this morning, a, a strong faith. We filled in some of those spaces over the centuries in different ways. The Eastern Orthodox Church um, recognizes using the apocryphal texts, um, which are kind of extra-biblical. We actually recognize the apocrypha, and the Catholic Church does, and the Orthodox Churches do. The Protestant Churches do not. But they go to those texts, and they come to the conclusion that Joseph, that Mary was Joseph's second partner, that his first partner was a woman named Salome, with whom he had five boys and two girls. And they recognized that Mary, that he may or may not have married Mary, but that he was perhaps chosen by lots because the priest said that there was, um, the incarnation was coming into the world. Very interesting story. The Catholic Church has a very different spin on this tradition, and they say that, which is more traditional that we probably think of, is that Joseph took Mary to be his wife. They weren't married um, when the Annunciation occurred, when she, believed, when she realized she was pregnant with the Christ child, um, and that when they, after the Christ was born, that they never consummated their relationship, and that there was what the Catholic Church refers to as perpetual virginity, and that um, all of the references to brothers and sisters of Christ in the Bible are actually references to his cousins. So two very interesting perspectives. The nice thing about all of this is we're Episcopalian, so we can pick what we like and don't like. <laughs> and you can say what I like about Joseph, what I don't. What I do know about Joseph that is to be admired is what we do know, going back to biblical text, is Joseph had a profound faith that in many situations at that time, men who found themselves in that situation would have immediately discarded Mary and probably stoned her and at a minimum shunned her and left and wandered off. Um, she was a 14-year-old. People tend to believe scripturally that Joseph was about 90, um, that he didn't really need to put up with that. Um, but he did, that he had faith in that, and then he stayed with Mary. 
Um, and then he, we have the whole exodus to Egypt. Um, that whole episode, four years wandering there, listening to God, following God's commandment. It is an amazing, amazing faith that brings, brings Joseph to us. And I think one of the sad things about our church is that we've lost Joseph a bit. Because he isn't seen quite so much, we see him as this very young man in the manger scenes, the nativity. We see him finding Christ in the temple, which is the last time he appears in the Bible. We think of him as someone, he wasn't at the crucifixion. We think he must have died, some, obviously, sometime between the flight to Egypt and the, and the temple. And um, traditions in the Catholic Church have it that he was um, lucky and was died in the company of both Mary and Jesus, um, which actually makes him the patron saint for a happy death. Um, but we've lost track of him. We've lost him as someone who motivates us on a regular basis, someone who we think about. Um, as many of you know, prior to coming to Raven Gap Nakuchi School, I spent many years working in boys' education and men's education. Um, I worked at an all-men's college, and I worked in an all-men's boarding school, all-boys boarding school. And to me, Joseph is the perfect example for them of faith and strength and standing by women in the face of very difficult times and challenges, certainly something that informs us in our lives today of believing them, of understanding them, of caring for them um, in a way that is both loving but supportive and allowing them, in his situation, certainly Mary, to take a front and center role in this and to be supportive. I have a personal story about Joseph that is... Um, both humorous and yet, I think, informative about God presenting to me what Joseph was. Many years ago, before Faulkner and I were married, I took my parents on a trip to Italy. And as was wanton with my father, he packed in a hurry at the last minute. And the one thing that he didn't bring any of was underwear. <laughs> and so we took a trip. He and I decided to leave early in the evening before cocktails and go out on a hunt for his underwear. And after a very entertaining trip to many of the department stores in Rome where they brought out what were the Roman-style underwear, which I can only describe as a couple of pieces of thin twine, <laughs> my, my 60-year-old father, who was exceedingly conservative, said, I think we'll just go with a pair of shorts for a while. Um, and as we were walking back to the hotel, we walked by this wonderful, wonderful church, and there was a huge procession lining up, and my father was certainly a high churchman, and his name was Joseph. And a huge, and he saw this enormous procession lining up in front. He said, we gotta go in and watch this service. This is gonna be a good show. He was a former Catholic. So we get in, and we get sit down, and um, this, suddenly the procession begins. And they start coming in with priests, and cardinals, and bishops, and all kinds of banners. And my father says, oh, this is great. We love this. And next thing that comes in are representatives of labor unions. And my father looks over to me. He says, oh, my gosh, it's labor unions. This is where the Catholic Church is gone. <laughs> and of course, I'm shushing and watching. And next, after the labor unions, come in carpenters and come in tradesmen. And at the end of this long procession come in all of these fathers with their children, little children. And it turned out it was St. Joseph's Day. And it was one of those rem remarkable moments <clears throat> when, when God sends 
a message to you and says, you can be with your father named Joseph, you can be in this setting, in this place, and you can understand the power of St. Joseph, of what he meant, being a father, a laborer, a man of the people who had a profound faith and stepped up when God called him. And so to me, that's what I think about when I think about Joseph. And he tends to be the role model for me, for both fatherhood and for being a man. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. This morning we... Uh...